So two areas I want to talk about for the enemy of Exodus. The first one is unbelief. Unbelief is that which has been produced through long years of cruel and painful oppression, which works to break the corporate will of God's people. Unbelief always tries to speak against the promise. And what that means is that there's things that we've been going after for a long time, standing on for a long time, and the enemy likes to come along. And when you don't get it right away, he just likes to sow those seeds of doubt. And he wants us to enter into that. But we're going to break that. How many can say amen? Hear me tonight. Doubt Fear are the twin foes of faith. They seek to usurp and take its place. Their evidence can be seen in our prayers if we become restless and anxious in the way we pray. Some people just get, man, I just, God, when are you going to do it? Come on, faith has a rest. Amen? Hebrews 4 says that we enter into the rest of God. So don't be anxious. Many times we can even find ourselves complaining about God's timing. God, why is it taking so long? When are you going to do it? When are you going to come about? When we get there, we're just entering into murmuring. Amen. And we want to avoid that. And so we're questioning if and when He will move on our behalf. So look inside your outline if you would. Come on, we can avoid that. How many could agree? Mine's stuck together. There we go. So what do you have to do? We have to guard our hearts against unbelief as we would against any other enemy. You know, I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles up to Hebrews chapter 3. And we're going to read a few verses here. But when I read this passage of Scripture and I study it, this is one of the most challenging passages for us today as the church. And many times we read it. And many times when you talk about people with unbelief, they get religious on you and act like they never had any. Or like they don't deal with it or they don't struggle in this area. But it's such a real foe that we literally have to guard against it as we would any other enemy. Faith must be cultivated in prayer. The place where we speak, declare, and stand upon His Word. Tonight in a few moments we're just going to pray the Word of God concerning salvation. And then we're going to pray scriptures concerning healing. We're just going to pray the word. It is powerful. So many times people say, I, I don't know what to pray. Pray the word. Just get the word out and pray it. Make it personal. Turn it into your prayer and, and, and let God perform his word on your behalf. See, we must guard our hearts against the voice of the accuser. For not only does he bring accusation against us before God, he brings accusation against God to us. In other words, the devil comes. The Bible says that he's the accuser of the brethren. He does that. When you and I make a mistake, he, he has no problem uh, being the one that tells God, Hey, God, look, they're messing up. Look at what they're doing. Look at how they're acting and, and all that. But at the same time, when you're trying to stand in faith and believe, the devil is that voice in your ear saying, Well, you know what? God probably doesn't hear you. You know, he's not going to do it. you got so much sin in your life. God's judging you. And, and he just speaks that voice of accusation against God. And we have to learn to turn that voice off. Amen? We have to learn not to. That's an enemy against our exodus. So he brings those accusations. He comes and speaks and sows the seeds of fear and doubt to produce a harvest of unbelief. When we listen to any word that's so fear, that causes us to doubt God's word, then we're going to be reaping a harvest. Those seeds are going to produce a harvest of unbelief. You have to refuse to allow that to happen. How many could agree? Hebrews chapter 3, I ask you to turn there. Let's just begin in verse 7. It says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear His voice, do not 
part in your hearts is in the rebellion. In the day of the trial in the wilderness where your fathers tested me, proved me, and saw my works 40 years. Therefore I was angry with that generation and said they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways as I swore my wrath. They shall not enter my wrath. Verse 12, listen, here's this warning. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Now let me just say, many times we're not thinking about backsliding, but when I depart from this word, when I start putting more trust and more confidence in something other than the Word. Come on, even when it comes to our bodies, thank God for medicine, thank God for doctors, but when I have more faith, more confidence in doctors and in medicine than I do in the healing power of God and the healing blood of Christ, then I'm departing from the living God. Are you with me? God is His Word, and so we have to be diligent in holding on to it. Now listen, the writer to the Hebrews is talking about people who have been brought up. They've experienced coming out, but they're faltering on entering in. God brought them out of Egypt, but but in their exodus, exodus wasn't just the coming out. It's coming out for the purpose of entering in. And in your life, in my life, God brings us out for us to enter in. But going from coming out to entering in, you really have to battle this enemy of unbelief and stay strong in your faith. Verse 13, but look at what it says. Exhort one another daily. We should be exhorting one another. Hey, how's your faith? How are you doing? Paul said to the church at Thessalonica, he, at Thessalonica, he said, hey, I couldn't stand it anymore. I had to send Timothy and find out how is your faith. Exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ. Look at this. If we hold to the beginning of our confident, steadfast to the end. In this season of fasting and prayer, purpose that you're going to strengthen your faith. You're fasting, you're praying to build up your most holy faith. How many could say amen? I'm just trying to, to stir you a little bit. You have to do that. Nobody can build your faith. I can preach to inspire you, but you're going to build your faith. Amen. You're going to fight the battle of unbelief. I wish I could get in your skin and fight it for you. But you have to be the one. Devil, I'm not putting up with this. I'm not listening to that junk anymore. I'm not going to give heed to that anymore. Those are seeds of fear and seeds of doubt. And if I give heed to that, that's going to produce unbelief in my life. And if I allow unbelief to be sown in my life, I'm not going to enter into my promise. Devil, get out of here. Amen. Take your stand. That's why the Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you. Paul wrote, said, give no place to him in your thought life, in your actions, or in your word. So look at what this said. Look where he goes on. In verse, uh, so we hold the beginning of our confidence. While it is said, verse 15, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. Let me just say that. Everybody look at me just for a minute. Don't get so prideful and say, oh, you know what? This isn't for me. I'm a man full of faith. Well, every one of us battles the battle against unbelief. Every one of us fights this fight. Don't get religious on yourself. Amen. Be 
truthful. Verse 16, for who having heard rebelled. Indeed, it was not all who came out of Egypt. So who rebelled? Those that came out, God brings them out and then they miss it. Now with whom was he angry for 40 years? What was it? Not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the world. How did they sin? God brought them out. He says, hey, here you are. I bring you to the edge of the land. Go look at it. I've given it to you. It is yours. You can have it. Go possess it. I'm with you. And they said, we're not able. Amen. And so by refusing to possess, by refusing to receive and go after it, they transgressed. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see they could not enter in because of what? Unbelief. Look at chapter 4 and verse 1. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But look at verse 2, what it says here. But the word which they heard, did not profit them not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So in order to win this battle, you have to continue to hear the word and then mix what you hear with your faith by putting God's word into action. Joshua and Caleb said, hey, you know what? You guys are wrong. We are well able to go up and possess the land. And so out of that whole generation that he brought out, only two entered in. I believe more of us are going to enter in than two. How many could say amen? Come on. I've got faith for more than two to get a hold of this. Praise the Lord. And then secondly, the enemy, first of all, the enemy of an exodus is unbelief. Secondly, is unexpected hardship. Unexpected hardship. What does that mean? That means things seem to get worse before getting better. Amen. Moses showed up to the nation of Israel and goes, hey, God's heard your prayer. He's going to deliver you. He goes up to Moses. You're supposed to let us go. We're going to go out and worship our God for three days. Moses goes, hey, if you guys got that much time on your hands, you guys are too idle. So they get the word of deliverance. And the next day, Moses takes away, the, I mean, Pharaoh takes away their straw. They have to make brick. They have to keep the same quota. They have to go gather their own straw. So instead of being delivered, things got tougher things got harder but how many know God was moving and that's what happened people give up because right as God declares their exodus declares their promise declares their deliverance it seems like things get harder the unexpected hardship and so it seems like your provision is reduced but the demands are still the same that's where they were with no straw see our faith in God must be rooted in an unwavering confidence in his word of promise God spoke to Abraham Isaac and Jacob as God Almighty but his name Lord Jehovah but by his name he was not known go with me back if you would to Exodus chapter 6 this is so powerful and we're going to pray here in just a minute. Exodus chapter 6. Look at this. Exodus chapter 6 and verses 6 and 7 say this. Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Take 
I will take you as my people. I will be your God. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, it is I, the Lord your God, who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptian. Go back up with me to verse 2 and 3. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob as God Almighty, but my name, Lord, was not known to them. Now look over, if you would, and turn over with me to verse 8. He says, and I will bring you into the land which I swore to give Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. So God says, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob knew him as God Almighty. But he says, you are going to know me by my name. Amen. How many know when God declared that Jesus was coming as our Savior? They said his name shall be called Emmanuel. How many know we're not just declaring God Almighty, but we've been given a name that is above every name. And we sang it, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. We've been delivered by the name of the Lord. Amen? Hallelujah. So think about it this evening. Hold on to that truth. It's one thing to believe that He is almighty, all-powerful, and able. It's another to know Him by His name as Lord Jehovah, the Lord our God who has chosen us as His people to be our God and to bring us out from under the yokes and burdens of this world. If Christ be anything, Charles Spurgeon said this, if Christ be anything, He must be everything. Oh, rest not till love and faith in Jesus be the master passion of your soul. And Exodus is no simple thing. I want you to hear that. When we're declaring, everybody's going, yes, it's an Exodus. But an Exodus is no simple thing. Think about it. We start with Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Joshua. The first six books of the Bible, five of them are about the Exodus. Five of the first six books. Exodus gets them out, but then Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and Joshua, it takes that to get them in and in the inheritance. How many know in Exodus is a lot of work? Amen. It'd be wonderful, but you're going to have to be engaged. You have to fight and believe. You have to not be deterred by unexpected hardship, and you're going to have to stand fast on the promise of God. How many could say amen? See, Exodus brought them out. Leviticus and Numbers declared a new standard was given to live by. They were in Egypt and God brought them out and then He gave them the law. He gave them a new standard to live by. If you're going to enter into your Exodus, you're going to have to be willing to live by God's standard for your life. He gives us a new standard to live by. And then you get to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy means the law given a second time. Or in other words, God has to repeat the standard. Amen. Before he can take a bit. And then you get to Joshua and possessing the inheritance. Or in other words, they were caused to inherit. How I want to hear you. And, and this is what's hard to do sometimes. Sometimes it's hard for us. We live in such an independent society. Sometimes it's hard to follow leadership to our inheritance. But God said about Joshua, He said, Joshua, this is what's going to happen. You're going to cause the people to inherit. I have a responsibility as your pastor to cause you to inherit the promise. And sometimes when you're causing people to do it, sometimes you, you have to make them kind of go, you got to go against the grain a little bit. You, you got to adjust things. You got to steer things. But God said, Joshua, you're going to be raised up and you're going to cause them to inherit the promise. That's our goal is that we're going to cause you to inherit the promise that God has for your life. See, an exodus is experienced through faith in God, 
with trust and confidence in his word and promise. The purpose of our exodus is not just to bring us out, it's to take us into the promise. I'm just trying to renew your mind to that in this area. You need to get your mind fixed. Bless God, I'm in entering in mode. Thank God I'm saved. I've come out, but now I am entering in. God brought me out for me to enter in. I'm fighting against unbelief. I'm fighting against giving in because of unexpected hardship. I'm fighting because the enemy's coming again with fear and with doubt trying to get me to give up. The devil wants you to die in the wilderness. But even when they came in, it amazes me in Joshua chapter 18. You read the book of Joshua. God gives him all this victory. And then you get to Joshua 18. And it says that Joshua goes and talks and says, hey, by the time you get to chapter 8, there's still seven tribes who were procrastinating on possessing their inheritance. And Joshua says, how long will you wait? In fact, just turn there. Let's read that verse. And then we're going to pray tonight. Watch this. Joshua chapter 18. In verse 2, but there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes which had not yet received their inheritance. Then Joshua said to the children of Israel, how long will you neglect to go and possess? Let me tell you what an exodus is. An exodus where God delivers you from the bondage of the enemy, but then he gives you the instructions on how to possess the promise. So in your exodus, there's some things you have to do. You have to pray. You have to speak. How many know Jesus died and our salvation is ours? But the Bible says that unless you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you can't be saved. So there's that part that we play in salvation. And in your exodus, receiving your promise and receiving what God has for you, this is that part you have to play. You have to become a possessor. Are you with me? You have to purpose to possess. God, I'm going to receive it. It's one thing to sit back and say, God, bring it to me, bring it to me, pour it on, pour it on. He said, I already gave it to you. Go get it. Rise up, receive it, and declare it. Amen? So look at that. It says, how long will you neglect to go and possess the land which the Lord your God, the God of your fathers, has given to you? Praise the Lord. So our salvation is for redemption and restoration. It means being redeemed for spiritual death and separation from God. It means being redeemed from sickness and disease, from poverty and lack, from being, being removed from under the authority of the devil and brought into the kingdom of his son. Come on, we've been brought out. How many would agree? We're brought out. Now it's just time to enter in. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We're going to take a moment and we're just going to pray. Tonight I'm going to pray some scriptures over salvation. Cole's going to come up and we're going to pray over healing. Like I said, how many have somebody you know that needs to be saved? Amen. So tonight we're just going to pray. I'm going to ask you just to, right now as you're thinking about this, I want you just to think about that person's name that you're believing for. And as I begin to pray these salvation prayers, I want you to begin just praying and interceding for them. As I'm praying the word, I want you praying for that person. It could be more. It could be as many as you want to pray for. But people you know that you need to be saved, loved ones, family members, friends, people on your jobs, whoever it is, I want you to believe for them to be saved. Amen? 
because God didn't just bring us out. He brings everybody out. I believe God has an exodus for many this year. I believe we're going to see more souls saved than we've ever seen before this year in our church. I believe God's going to use us in a mighty way. How many could agree? Amen.